Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bargamilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Uh, better than you, I yeah. think. <laughs> You guys can't see this, obviously, as this is an audio podcast, but Annie's wearing, like, five layers of clothing right now. It's really, like, it's cute, but also sad. Um, all right. I got back from the TCAs this week. Um, those of you who have been reading uh, our, our blog, our our website, excuse me, um, will know that I have been at the Television Critics Association um, for the past 10 days or so. And I came home and literally the HVAC decided to die. And it is freaking freezing. Like the motor's She's dead. She's a hat on. <laughs> I knit this hat. I'll have you know. Um, oh, uh, so anyway, yeah, it's it's cold in this house. Um, my ma actually bar- let me borrow like one of those old school like oil radiators that you plug in from like the 1980s that she still has, and um, it's doing a bang up job heating the first floor, but not so much my office. So, uh, yeah, dun, dun. that means we're gonna get into the discussion so we can get through it, and Annie can go hide under blankets or something. I will. Uh, I will do the honors today and ask. Uh, so, what are we talking about? We are talking about a brand new um, kind of... Okay, so BritBox refers to these as true con shows instead of true crime. I don't think that's going to catch on. Oh, that's not... how. Please stop doing that. (laughs) I love you guys, but that's just like... Fetch is not going to happen here. It's true crime, basically. Yeah, they've done a few of these now. Um, there was one that starred Eddie Marsden, the thief and uh, the 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 thief and something or other that came out in August. Um, you know, this one is called Stonehouse, and it is based on John Stonehouse, who British uh, listeners will probably remember from the um from as a basically he's kind of a 1970s oddity. Uh, he was part of the British Labour Party in the. 70s. 70s under Harold Wilson. Um, in 1974, he attempted to fake his own death, and basically he failed. It, this is about the point right when the world began to shrink. If he'd done it like 10 years before in 1964, he probably could have done, gotten away with it, like disappear in Florida into the surf, be declared drowned, go disappear into the wilds of Australia and never be seen again. But by 1974, the world was smaller, and basically uh, he was found in like three days. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and uh, it was all very embarrassing for all involved, especially Wilson, who had, like, promoted him through the ranks. Um, Also, he was, it was revealed in, like, 2012, an agent for Czechoslovakia who was spying on behalf of the USSR. And um, this, uh, this is alleged, let's just say, but the paperwork sort of proving this came out in 2012 at the time margaret thatcher who uh was prime minister when this actually came out in like the early 80s um suppressed all that because she didn't want people to know that that they'd been a spy literally hanging out in parliament and that they had basically been fooled by him trying to like fake his own death and all that although i think we should mention that at the end of the show they actually have a little end card that says he denied it for most for right up until he died so Take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. So honestly, like the only proof we have is that these papers were released in like I, there was like a big release of like old classified papers in like the early 2010s. And this was in there that they found stuff that sort of looked like it proved that he was lying his whole life. Anyway, um, so 
we picked this show to watch partly because it stars Matthew McFadden. Who we all love, Succession High of Rise. He plays John Stonehouse. And his real life wife, uh, uh, future dame Keely Hawes, uh, uh, plays his wife in the show, Barbara. We also we we also picked it because I love a scammer story. Like I love scammers. I mean, I don't want to get scammed or anything, but I like to watch shows about scammers because it's almost. Well, wait. Let me caveat that a little bit. It's it it should be almost impossible to not make the story of a scammer interesting like Mm. it's sort of like the whole point of it is that they have done something completely crazy and you just get to sort of watch all of the fallout from that unfold and i feel like a elected member of parliament faking his own death is legit like squarely in my real house of of year of the scammer let's go unfortunately this is not this if I were making the show, this is not how I would have made the <laughs> show. Because it doesn't really lean into that at all. And, like, it's not fun in any way. I thought it would at least, like, ha- not joy necessarily, but, like, this is a crazy story it that is. I can't believe this man thought he was going to get away with. And, like, the show takes no joy at all and has no fun with its own premise, which was very disappointing to me. Um, there's a lot there's a lot that this show has going for it visually, you know, like, honestly, not just the fact that this basically this labor minister who was a he was basically a part of like one of the cabinets and he used that to basically like basically like embezzle money. And when as people realized he was embezzling money and he was going into all these debts and he was and he was keeping it from his wife and he was sleeping with his secretary and he sort of had this sort of like moment where like he realized that he was going to get caught and he was going to get and and it was going to be a huge problem, especially because he got reelected when labor had like a really narrow majority in 74. And like he realized that he was basically going to get caught out and it was going to screw up everything and a lot of people were going to be mad at him so he basically flew to florida he took off all of his clothes he folded them up on a towel and he went into the ocean and pretended to drown right like what part of this should not be incredible right and then and then he takes the fake like passport that he had made and he flies to australia where he meets with the secretary who is waiting for him there and they attempt to start a new life together um except that as as i said the world is smaller at this point um you know uh the UK and Australia and the US all work together and they're looking for international criminals together and Australia's people picked up on this dude who is not who he says he is and they're like well he might be one of these other dudes that like the UK is looking for or maybe the US is looking for so we better keep an eye on him and then they discover oops it's actually this guy and he's dumb right like he, Stone has like went around like buying newspapers with every every newspaper that has a story about him in it right like it may he, it was very, very obvious who he was once you, like, watched him for five minutes. And that's a, you know, like, I think my problem with this show is that this is a show about a narcissist. John Stonehouse is very much a narcissist. He's somebody who his entire world is only him. And everyone who is around him, his secretary, his wife, uh, Harold Wilson, uh, Margaret Thatcher, all these other people who he's working with are merely like, 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 
pieces on a board. Like he doesn't see them as real people. They're just extensions of himself. And when you do a story about a narcissist, doing it from the point of view of the narcissist is boring because then it just becomes that all the characters are merely an extension of the central character. Well, the other problem for me, I don't even I don't even necessarily disagree with your premise there, although that's way more thought than I gave the show. <laughs> um he's just like I don't know, probably a lot of people out there have watched the movie with Leonardo DiCaprio called Catch Me If You Can, which yes. is also based on a real like con man who ended up working for the FBI because he was so smart and good at conning people. Well, this dude is an idiot. <laughs> so like part of the problem is that he is so dumb that I can't really get into the like he's a total narcissist who's just like controlling the board around him and all these other people in his life don't matter. I don't even know that he could name all the people in his life. <laughs> Like, he's so dumb that it's not even fun. Like, part of the part of the reason that I think this kind of this kind of scammer story really resonates with people is that we like to watch. We like to watch people get away with it. Mm. And we like to really kind of viscerally live through that in a way that, like, you know, I could never do this and get away with it myself. So we like the fun of watching other people do it. And he seems to do it almost entirely by accident and is really bad at it for not very long. So it's just like, like I I keep coming back to there's no joy in it, but I don't mean that it's like not a happy story or anything, even though technically I guess it's not, but there's like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this show because it's not particularly interesting as a drama. I know almost nothing about this character's interior life. And it's not particularly interesting as a scammer story because it it ignores almost everything that makes scammer stories fun. Um, has a great supporting cast. They don't have nearly enough to do. And that's partly, I think, because we view them through Stonehouse's lens. You know, Keely Hawes is his wife and she barely gets anything to do. The secretary barely gets anything to do. It's frustrating as heck, right? Like, I don't get me wrong. I love Matthew McFadden. I think a Matthew McFadden tour de force is a great idea. But this is not it. And also, and honestly, like, something you just said, um, remember the serpent... Oh, yeah, I liked The Serpent. Yeah, that was another sort of, like, that was more murdery, but, like, that was also sort of a con kind of thing. I mean, it was a con where the con was murder, but, yeah, it's true crime. Yeah, but the, the central character is in the same way, a narcissist, the same way that, that, that um, Stonehouse is. And the best parts of the show are when you see everything from Jenna Coleman's point of view, the girlfriend, and you really see the narcissist through the lens of one of the people who sort of submits to him and becomes an extension of him and then sort of realizes what they've done and sort of pulls away. And that's a really good way to sort of frame a narcissist so that he's interesting, so that other characters get like more interiority, so that they don't feel like extensions of the the, the one narcissist character. Well, my, my, my main problem is, is probably that like, Yes, you are correct in that the other characters don't have any interiority, but I don't actually feel like Stonehouse does either. Okay. Like, that's just, I don't, other than the fact that he does not want to be embarrassed or go to jail, I have no idea, like, who he is or what he wants. I don't know what, I mean, granted, this is a little bit different because technically it's, like, based on someone's real life, but I, I still think a true life story can have an an arc in it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I don't know, like this character doesn't really have an arc for me. Like he doesn't, he's just sort of there kind of miming out the facts of the story. And also, and I hate to say this because I love Matthew McFadden, 
Um, but there are just too many times, and probably this because just where this performance falls in his career, but there's just too many times that this character feels like, <laughs> what if Tom Wamsgans from Succession was British and in politics? <laughs> And it doesn't, I don't know. And maybe that's like my own inability to like divorce those characters from each other. But it really just, it really bugged me. I, I could definitely see where this is Tom in Bad 70s hairdo. I could definitely see that. Um, I just think that like there was a point at one, there was a point I think about once they caught him and they came back and Barbara sort of has to deal with the fact that she's married to this and that this is what she's married to. And it really hits home to her. Like what, like what the hell that if we had been given much more of, of, of Hawes's point of view through the first two episodes, that it would have been much, much stronger. And I think that's actually why why what you were saying made me think of the serpent, because the strongest moment is when is when we see like when we see uh, uh, Jenna Coleman click on that. And I feel like if we'd had more from Keely Hawes and we saw mm. Barbara click on that. And the thing is, is, is one of the reasons I was excited for this is because McFadden and Hawes are incredible actors, right? Both of them in their own right are fantastic actors. I love the idea of a, of a, of a, of a series where the two of them are basically at odds. I wonder if this is sort of proof that like people should not work with their spouses. <laughs> That, that's not actually a bad thought um that, that i don't that, know but i think that i think for me the biggest pro i mean i have a lot of problems with the show the biggest uh, to try to look at it through like your comparison of the serpent i mean mm -hmm. i know how the netflix show wanted me to feel about that mm. guy okay which which is kind of fairly obvious he's a serial murderer <laughs> um so duh so this is a little more complicated than that in that in that john stonehouse is at least not Killing people left and right. But I don't think that the show has a very clear POV on how it wants me to interpret him or his story. Like, am I supposed to am I supposed to have that sort of voyeuristic feeling of like watching him get away with it and being excited by that? Am I supposed to want him to get caught? Am I supposed to feel bad for him when he gets caught? Am I supposed to be like triumph of justice? Like there's no like everything just sort of happens and there's no kind of narrative through line to anything. And it really, it it annoyed me because I, oh my gosh, I was so excited to watch the show and talk about it. I thought it was gonna be like so fun and it felt like homework. Um, So I also want to talk about the format of this show. Oh, it's like way too long. Okay. It could have been a movie. Okay. And that is actually something that, that, um, uh, our our uh, movie recapper or movie reviewer slash recapper, uh, Rory, uh, reviewed Stonehouse for us, and he noted that this this format is the same as the uh, a, a very blah 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 scandal, oh, which had a really bad recent season, but that a that there has actually been a spate of these sort of true crime sort of shows that are historically based on real people that are trying to get away with something and are basically embroiled in a scandal. And they have all trying to sort of follow this model that Russell T. Davies initially created with that very first A Very British Scandal 
It was very, was it very English Scandal was the first one? I think it was very English first and they had to call the second one British because it's technically in Scotland. Yes. Okay. There we go. So a very English, the very English, and it won, it won Golden Globes, it won Emmys, it won BAFTAs, right? Like it, you know, it was, it was a huge hit and there's a level where we have this kind of like following, these are all following that format, trying to, 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 to be the next very blah, blah, blah scandal. And honestly, I don't. I think that that's what Stonehouse was doing by trying to be a three-parter with this with this this three-part feature-length episode thing. But I, in general, have issues with this format as oh, something. Oh yeah, did you watch? Um, did you have you seen both of the British and English scandals? I have. Um, I think the real difference between uh English scandal, which is. Hugh Grant and Ben Wishaw, and it's about the Jeremy Thorpe scandal where he like tried to kill his boyfriend. And that is not just like a really genuinely scandalous story, but it also had something very specific to say about the time period it was mm. set in. Yes. Because homosexuality wasn't legal yet. Like it was it was a larger commentary beyond just the story of this particular man's political downfall. The problem with the second one which is about the Argyle divorce case in Scotland. And honestly, it's it's awful. And I was so upset because it's got Paul Bettany and Claire Foy, who I would literally like crawl on glass to watch do whatever, but it's so bad. And I think it's so bad because it lacks that larger, like it's just two horrible people being horrible to each other. And it doesn't have anything more to say than that. And I think this would have been better if it had gone with the here is a story and here is what that story says in a larger context frame than just here's a story of this person who sucked. So the thing about British Scandal is that I felt like it actually did want to say something, but it didn't have the nerve. Like it wanted to be about um, basically the first revenge porn was the idea oh yeah and like how we view women who have affairs versus how we view men who have affairs but the actual writing of the show and foy attempted to i will i will give Foy her that she really attempted to sort of infuse that in her performance but i felt like the writing didn't support it and that a lot of the scenes didn't go far enough in making that point like they were just kind of afraid to be front and center in the way that russell t davies was not um i I do agree with you 100%. This does not have anything to say about the 1970s. This does not have anything... Like, as I said, one of the reasons why Stonehouse didn't get away with what he was trying to do is because by 1974, the world had shrunk. Even though we didn't have the internet yet. Even though we didn't have, like, you know, phones and little computers in our pockets everywhere. The world had literally started to shrink. And I think I went into this expecting this show to say something about that, how this is no longer a possibility where, you know, even just 10 years ago, it could have, he could have gotten away with it. And what, what our post-war world and our more international universe is, you know, and I expected the show to have things to say about that. And it just didn't, it just didn't even consider the fact that he got caught because he misunderstood the way the world worked now. And I and that that bothered me a lot. Um, but also, like I said, the, the, the three feature length episode format. This is something that British television does a lot. 
you know, a lot. We talk about this with Endeavor. We talked about this when we covered uh, uh, Vienna Blood back in season one. We talk about this like every time we sort of run into it. You know, um, Sherwood, which BritBox did back in October, which is the last time we did a BritBox episode kind of thing, um, was six one-hour installments. And I think that there is a level where that pacing works better in televisual storytelling than this three-episode, 90-minute format. Um, I think sometimes. I think, I think it works better for... I mean, I think definitely it does... I, I think definitely, like, if it doesn't... If your property doesn't need episodes that are long, like, it is okay to cut them. We mm. will all be okay. Especially, like, when you look like something like Endeavor that, like, half the time, I, I mean, I think it it is more of a detriment to sort of, like, a mystery series like that because you know when they think they've found the person in the middle of the episode that that's not the person because there's still, like, 45 minutes to go. Mm. And just a lot of it ends up feeling like filler because we got to pad all this time. I just think, I don't know. I just, I feel like there was so much that was interesting in this story and the interesting bits are not what got the time. Mm. And that is not a fault of the format, but rather a choice of how we used the format. Like, did you think, I thought in the very beginning, like he suddenly, he gets, he gets, what is it called? A honeypot? Yes. He gets honey, honeypotted into being a spy. Yes. And then we have just like this sort of long segment where he's the worst spy ever. <laughs> And which was actually kind of entertaining. But I mean, then the rest of the show is basically that same thing, just in different settings. But then it kind of like that kind of just stopped. And never like never went anywhere. Yeah. And that's, you know, also and as you as you noted at the very end, they put that little thing up at the end saying, you know, Stonehouse denied that he was a a Czechoslovakian spy until the day he died. Um, They don't mention the 2012 papers that seemingly confirmed that he actually was and that Thatcher covered it up. Um, But I found it fascinating that the show was almost it was willing to show him honey getting honey potted and that he starts spying but that it isn't willing to show the rest of it because somehow that is crossing an alleged line i don't know because the only parts it showed us the only parts it showed us were him being like i will definitely give you this information about upgrading the postal service <laughs> but not anything like that would have been useful do you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. and once he starts getting into the circles where he would have had access to that information like information that would have actually been valuable to um a foreign government that's when we stop talking about the spy it. plot entirely which is just a strange choice yeah no the the spy listen you are doing a dramatization okay this is where the crown does really well actually it, it, even if it is lying to us or even if it is is, is falsifying things. I don't mind if it lies to me if the story's better. I know it's a TV show. Right, exactly. That's just it. Like, the one of the things I always... When people ask me if The Crown is real, I always use uh, the final episode of, of season two as my example of what is true, what is rumored, and what is false, right? Because it is true that the Performo uh, affair happened. It is rumored that Prince Philip was somehow involved. It is nonsense that him sleeping around on Elizabeth somehow was connected to this dude killing himself, right? 
And that is, and, 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 but the thing is that the show doesn't care whether or not it's nonsense because it makes a better story. If you're telling a dramatization television show of Stonehouse and it makes a better story to go with in 2012, this guy was sort of, it, it seems like he actually really was a spy, then go there, right? You're a television show. You can make Prince Charles look like Dominic West and no one will, well, some people might complain. <laughs> um, Maybe the prince will complain for reasons we cannot, or maybe the king will complain for reasons we do not quite understand. But I'm just saying, like, you can, you can, you can be non-factual and it's like the show is afraid to do that. And that is very odd. Like, they're not going to get sued. <laughs> I don't know. It was very odd. Um, and I, I, anyway, the part of what I wanted to um, to talk about here with the, 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 the format is also because, as I noted, Vienna Blood, which is running right now, I'm recapping it. Um, you know, here on PBS, we take those, you know, for Endeavor, Endeavor is allowed to be like what it is in the UK. But a lot of times when we get these 90 minute shows that are that are three episodes long, American television and PBS has a tendency to smash them in half and do six 45 minute episodes because it works better with our televised format. And I tried when I was watching Stonehouse um. I kept getting interrupted because I was trying to do it on top of five other things because that's how we watch screeners in life. Um, and I actually stopped at one point at the 45-minute mark in the second episode just to see how this show would feel if you split it up. And I actually thought it did better as a six-episode series, <laughs> which is really weird because y'all know y'all who read my recaps of Vienna Blood know that I hate that they split these things in half. I hate it. I literally will not recap after episode ones, three, and five. I wait until episodes two, four, and six and recap the whole story because the way it splits is always so incredibly awkward. And I, I, I thought it was fascinating to, to, to sort of experiment and see if Stonehouse had come to PBS. Because one of the things about BritBox is that it gets a lot of things that, that, that PBS used to. And if PBS had gotten Stonehouse, it absolutely would have split this into six 45-minute installments and played it at 10 o'clock after whatever Masterpiece thing was on at 9. And I feel that this actually would have done better that way. And I found that really perplexing. <laughs> Um, and I just, I, 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 I don't know. Should this have been six episodes? Would that have been better in, in, in forcing them to tell less, uh, to tell less story in more time instead of more story in less time? Well, I don't know, because that wouldn't have changed how the show was made. Okay. You know what I mean? Like if Maybe. we had just taken it and chopped it in half, it still would have been the same. I think if they had made it as a six episode show where they try, where you, because one of the one of the problems with like our current rise of binge TV is that people have forgotten that like television episodes are is singular thing are singular things that are supposed to have like three or five acts depending how long they are. Yeah, and and so I think that the show would have had to have been conceptualized differently. I don't think just splitting it in half would have necessarily fixed the the issues I have with it. Yeah, which is exactly what I say about Vienna Blood every time, is that it literally, it is a five-act show over 90 minutes, and when you try to split it in the middle of Act 3, it just never, ever works. 
Yeah, I mean, I just think the problem with Stonehouse, because especially like I feel like this is a story that's really kind of tailor made for American audiences. Like mm-hmm. it's something we don't know that much about. It's a scammer. It's a dude who tried to get away with literally like walking into the sea in Florida and faking his own death. Like that is so I like that should be such a slam dunk. But like, I just don't think the show conceptualized itself I, I started to say correctly, but I guess I'll say in the way that I would have. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed like Wikipediaing after and like reading about this dude, but I also want to bring up um, because you know we have had this wave of sort of true crime series. Oh, you know I love a true crime show. I know you do, and I um in the world of true crime, like. Can you, since BritBox has kind of gotten into this, um, would you rather see it do more like, um, more like the uh, very blah 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 scandals? Do you think it should? Do you, in in terms of BritBox trying to basically compete in this market? Because this is the thing is that PBS really has like the lock on mysteries and drama. Right. Like Netflix has a lock on like Great British Baking Show style stuff and and, and HGTV style stuff. HBO has a lock on the HBO style stuff. You know, so BritBox is trying to find a lane, I feel. And like last summer, they talked about trying to, you know, do the most British shows they can. British shows for British people so that people in America watching it will feel the Britishness of it. Like they don't want to do they never want to do a Lord of the Rings. They never want to do a House of the Dragon. They never want to do a Sandman. They don't want British ish. They would never do Bridgerton. It's too American for them. They want to do something that is very British. That's a British story. And I feel like Stonehouse on paper does actually fit that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that Sherwood really fit that bill. Do you think this is an effective way, though, for BritBox to find its space in America? I think the answer is I don't know. Okay. Like, I think there's certainly... Um, I've mentioned before that my my friends and I all watch Netflix together on Sunday nights. And right now we're watching... Um, watching a true crime documentary about it's called don't pick up the phone and it's Ah. about like i I don't remember this at all but i guess back in the 80s or 90s there uh, like people were calling fast food restaurants and and telling them they were from corporate and that they accused a a, uh employee of stealing and they basically like this random person who was calling these places got the employees to like strip search other employees to look for stolen money. So there is plenty of crazy true crime that isn't murder, which is, I think kind of what BritBox is leaning into a little bit versus sort of like serial killer dramas, Mm -hmm. which I don't know, maybe they should do a couple of serial killer dramas in there too. I'm not sure. But like, I'm sure that there are equally weird stories like that. I don't know how, I don't know how much some of those stories lend themselves to easy dramatization though, especially because, you know, the same problems that kind of face Stonehouse is that you have to make some sort of, you have to make narrative decisions about like a real life story. Mm. And I think that you have to commit you have to commit to going into the into the fantasy or you have to commit to being like really like honest about like no we're going to be we are going to be factual as we can like you have to commit one way or the other and this doesn't yeah i mean i think there's there's a difference between like a um 
a a show that's inspired by a real life story and like a docudrama. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like this was trying to serve two masters and therefore please none. Mm. Because, I mean, I did learn a lot, but it wasn't entertaining learning. It's not a docudrama, though. It's very much not a docudrama. Netflix is really into the docudramas right now. Um, and, like, I've watched quite a few of them um, for Elite Daily, mostly American ones. Um, but honestly, this is this this has so much fictionalization in it in the same way that the A Very Blah 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 Scandals did. And it, it, it's like it doesn't know it almost, which feels weird. Um, I, I, I partly brought this up. Um, by the way, Don't Pick Up the Phone, which you were talking about at Netflix, is one of the British things that they never, ever promoted. This was part of um, they get British stuff like that all the time that I end up listing in our in our in our monthly roundup. Oh, weird. Is it British? Because it's about America. Oh, Yes. No, this was Don't Pick Up the Phone was actually one of my was actually in there as a British produced show. Oh, how weird. Because it's literally like stuff happening at something that's obviously like a Pizza Hut or a McDonald's in like in small town Midwestern America. Right. And like it's one well, part of the reason why I didn't really cover it at the time is because it was, you know, basically an American story. So I just I just included it in our roundup. But I always find it fascinating that like Netflix has these British things that it quietly brings in that it never promotes. And I don't know. I just, I just can't believe that's like even remotely connected to England because it's so not British at all. I know. I, I think it's I just think it's really ironic that that is the one that you and your friends are watching right now. Because I was like, wait, really? <laughs> well, we had just done like a really bad reality dating show. And one of my friends was like, I can't do another one of those right now. So let's watch like some sort of bad documentary. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Um. Anyway, uh, sorry, I I. You just absolutely distracted me with that. Um, anyway, the reason that I wanted to bring up if this is a good blame for BritBox is because we have seen in the last few months this beginning of retraction in the streaming world. And we've seen like AMC networks start to lay people off and we're starting to see like more shows basically being cross streamed across their many different little niches. And, you know, uh, FX talked about the difficulty of this new world and how if they hadn't been picked up by Disney and basically like brought into a monopoly that they would not have the financial backing to survive in this new universe. And I thought both of those were really fascinating points. And it it made me realize it made me think about the fact that you know the bbc you know you, you and i have always talked about how much we would pay for iplayer if you gave us iplayer us 100% and Br- bbc refuses to do this because it makes more money by spreading themselves out to every streaming service there is and into, and and that's because it doesn't want to risk doing an iPlayer US and having it collapse the way um, Quibi or or Spectrum Originals did. Um, yes, I know you probably haven't heard of neither of those, and that's the reason for that. Anyway, um, <laughs> my point being is that Britbox is as close to iPlayer US as we are going to get. I know, and the thing that's so frustrating is that it's so hamstrung by its parent companies in the UK because they don't give Britbox their good stuff. No, they give they they give their stuff to the highest bidder. I mean, occasionally BritBox gets. I mean, the thing I love about BritBox is that it understands that like people don't want to wait six months to watch something that was just in the UK. Like they've got the new um, 
that guy that was on Death in Paradise now has oh. a show that is not Death in Paradise. It's called Beyond Paradise, and it is coming in February. It's like a spinoff, and it's premiering like t- on BritBox like two or three days after it premieres in the UK. Like it's really close. Um, Death in Paradise is actually also go- Death in Paradise season twelve is going to pre- premiere at the beginning of February, and then Beyond Paradise is also premiering in February. So like you basically get like the parent show and the spinoff show like within days of each other and within days of their premieres overseas. And I think this is really smart. And this is partly because ITV, um, B- BBC pulled out of BritBox UK because BritBox UK was pointless. Because BritBox UK is also a thing. I hate our industry no it's actually not a thing anymore it got rebranded as itvx and it is now itv's personal streamer the way that disney plus is disney's personal streamer or pair or, or or peacock or, or paramount plus um and i a i think that's a much better place i think that's a much better thing for it but it does mean that itv could treat britbox us as its personal streamer if it decided that it didn't want to keep selling its stuff to PBS and everybody else. And because it has sold its stuff to PBS and everybody else, that's why it's making these spinoffs. Like, it made, it doesn't have Father Brown because Father Brown got is being paid for by some other. So they have the Sister Boniface Mysteries, which is a spinoff of Father Brown. They happen to have Death in Paradise, so they can have both Death in Paradise and, uh, and, and Beyond Paradise together, um, which is, I think, a really great idea. But also... It, it it makes me wonder, like, how is BritBox supposed to survive in this world? And if the sort of tr- true con, I'm sorry, they really, this is their marketing. Um, and I think they're calling it true con because it's not, it's not serial it's not killers. murder. Right. And so they want to make sure you understand that it's weirdo things like Stonehouse. It's weirdo stuff like the guy who basically... Uh, the, the thief with Eddie Marston was another one where he faked his own death and lived next door to his wife for like a decade before anybody figured it out. See, on paper, that should be really interesting. Right? Like, each of these, they're weirdo, they're weirdo crimes. But they're still crimes. Um... And I, I, I wonder if leaning into this is a good idea for BritBox. And if this isn't it, what is it that they should be doing? Because I can't figure it out. I mean, I think they need to throw a little bit of murder in there. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, when people think of true crime, they think of, of murdering. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically of, like, Sundance Now had uh, Des with David Tennant, which was about Des Nielsen, the guy who mm. killed a whole bunch of of people and like buried them in his yard he was killing like poor gay kids and stuff i do remember that i think brickbox did have like the barking house was it barking murders barking house murders the thing about the grinder killer it was the barking murders and i really went into because i didn't know about the 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 grinder dude i genuinely thought it might be about dogs (laughs) it spoiler warning it is not about dogs no dogs die (laughs) other things die people (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Um, um, so I don't know. I think maybe it needs a little more of a. I, I, I just can't. I can't co-sign on the whole like weirdo crime stories unless they tell them better. And I think in order to get people to look at the weirdo crime stories, you got to throw a little bit of murder in there. Like people, that's what the people want. And I mean, look at that terrible Jeffrey Dahmer show. Oh my god, I can't believe that got more seasons. Um. 
Can I also just point out, you know, one of the other things that BritBox is doing is that they're sort of creating an Agatha Christie universe. Um, yes, an Agatha Christie cinematic universe, ACCU. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> um, separate completely from... Here's my free suggestion for BritBox. Where is my, like, big budget Jack the Ripper show? Hey, there you go. But it's one, like, based on Holly Rubenholtz the Five, where it's about the women and not the murderer. Like, that, I would, if I had a bajillion dollars, that's what I would greenlight for you. By the way, Hallie Rubenholtz, The Five, is incredible, and everyone should read it. Um, no, actually, that is exactly what I'm... I think that's exactly the kind of thing I'm looking for here. Is like, I love the idea of an Agatha Christie universe that does not have Kenneth Branagh pretending to be Poirot and failing utterly. Ugh. Like, I just need... I need that. How did I fall asleep in a movie with Judy Dench in it? Ugh. Rude. Um, the, honestly, the first... Um, their first one, which was the Hugh Laurie, uh, Why Didn't They Ask Evans, was great. And I want more of that. But as 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 noted, those have murder in them. So maybe that's part of the problem here is that these true cons aren't working because the people need murder. (laughs) I mean, it says something really messy about us as a society, but I think it's probably (laughs) true, which is why, again, I'm going to stump for Hallie Rubenholtz, The Five, which is a extremely incredible book that tries to look at the Jack the Ripper murders from the perspective of the women he killed And it tells you all about who they were and their lives and how they ended up living on the streets and and how they sort of, you know, some of them became alcoholics. Some of them ended up in the workhouse, like how they ended up in these situations where they could be killed by this monster. And it always every section is is about one of the five women and the section always stops before they die. So you don't. So it's not about like the brutality of their deaths or anything. It's just really great. I don't know who I need to email about this, but BritBox, let's go. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that I just I, I that was I think the the biggest takeaway for me for Stonehouse is how much because I also watched the Eddie Marston one and I, that one I, I I watched it and I immediately said to myself, no, we're not going to do this for the pod. Um, where Lacey will never sit through this. Um, and honest, like, listen, I know your lane, okay? I know the things that are going to work for your lane. All right. All right. <laughs> Everyone, everyone knows my life. Um, I had so much more hope for this one, and Me I didn't do. I mean, Kenneth McNally as Harold Wilson is actually kind of brilliant, right? Like, there are small things in here that really do work when they work. Like, uh, the the who plays Margaret Thatcher? Crap, I gotta look it up. The woman who plays Margaret Thatcher is so good. Actually, I really liked the secretary, and wish Yay! more of the show had been about the secretary. Uh, that's um, that's Emma he- Heatley, and she is actually like she's um, shoot, what's she in? She's in something really big that's coming that I'm really excited about. And I've forgotten what it is, and I gotta look it up. Well, while Annie's googling, I will say I know I've like like I wasn't I didn't dislike Stonehouse. Like it's not the worst thing I've watched recently. But I think mostly it's like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I just wanted this to be something a little different than it actually turned out to be. And I think that I had built it up into my in my head into something that was going to be more like propulsive and exciting. And like that was the version of it that I wanted, which isn't necessarily the show's fault. But if you, too, are entertaining thoughts that it will be that I will disabuse you of that notion and tell you that it is not. It's not bad. It's just not it's not as good as I wanted it to be. Are we just very disappointed? I am. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> anyway, um, no, she's a crap. I cannot think what she's in. I know she's in something where she actually wrote it, and and she. Pl- oh no, she's in Karen Perry. 
That's what it is. Oh, I did not watch that as it is very outside my lane. She's the best friend. She 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 helped write it and she's in it as the best friend. And I thought that was really she's really great in that. That that was what I was trying to remember. I would have really loved like more of her perspective in this show because I'm sorry if my like married boyfriend told me that he was like going to fake his death and I needed to hang out until he worked all of that out. I would have some feelings about that. (laughs) And I just I don't know. She like her character did not get to react to anything in a way that I enjoyed. Okay. Anyway, I think that's probably all the time we have. Oh, probably. And he just wants me to stop dumping on the show, which is really like unfair. Like I said, I didn't super dislike it. It just was. I think I'm more upset that I'm disappointed than if it had just been straight bad. I I just want to tell everybody Max is literally outside the door meowing pathetically at me because he wants me to come cuddle him. Oh, he's probably cold. Okay, tell the people where you are on the internet so you can go warm up poor little Max. Oh, let's see. Um, I am at any bundle basically everywhere on the internet at this point. Um, I'm still on Twitter and I probably will be till the heat death of the universe along with Lacey. Um, I'm at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Um, pictures of my very fuzzy cats trying to keep themselves warm um, are on my Instagram at any bundle. Uh, I'm staff writer at Elite Daily and the associate editor here at Televisions. And I also freelance around the web. Um, I don't really have anything coming up for the moment, but that's mostly because I just got back from LA after 10 days. And I I have no idea what time it is, let alone what day it is, let alone what I'm doing, other than the fact that I'm cold. Womp womp. Um, I am Lacey MB on Twitter, where I will be until the farewell blows, and also virtually everywhere else. So just follow me, be my friend, see what I'm complaining about today. Um, little group note, we're all going to be at Gallifrey One in February. If any of the listeners out there are going to be at Galley, we would love to say hi. I can't believe we're all going to be there. It's it, it's me and Lacey and Emma, who is the one who runs our televisions, Twitter and Facebook. So, yeah, you're going to get to meet all of us. Uh, we'd love to say hi. Uh, if you just want to read and listen to our stuff, the site and the pod are on social media at tele underscore visions on Twitter and televisions blog. All one word on Facebook. We live at televisions.org. And if you like what we do, you can click on that donate button up top to help us keep making all of this great content week in and week out and also get access to PBS Passport where there are just like a plethora of new and exciting things for you to binge and watch. You can watch the rest of All Creatures Great and Small season three, the entirety of Miss Scarlet and the Duke season three, and I do believe all of Vienna Blood season three as well. Yes, you can. Woo. It's a lot. Um, Check us out. Read our stuff. Send us more emails. We really have been getting some super fun emails in the past week or so. And we read them and we love them. And I promise I will answer all of you when I get my life together. Uh, <laughs> but we are at televisions at weta.org. If you want to join in that chorus, be nice to us, please. Um, other than that, that is our show for this week. We will be back again, which may or may not sound like a threat to some of you. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I hope that you will be with us as we dive into whatever our next topic is, which I honestly can't even tell you because I don't know what it is yet. So it's Wuthering Heights. We're going to do Classics Revisited next week. Oh, apparently we're doing Classics Revisited. Special preview for ah! all of you who made it this far in this episode. It's because I happen to have the spreadsheet open in front of me. Um. <laughs> anyway, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. If you have not gotten a flu shot or a COVID booster yet this winter, please, please consider doing so. Protect yourselves, protect your loved ones, and do something nice for a stranger. Because, I don't know, it's dark and cold outside. It's going to rain here this weekend be a light in a world full of crap. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.